Welcome to Book Bistro, where book enthusiasts come to chat about the books they love in a warm and supportive environment. Today is June 24th, 2019. I'm Shannon and I am here with an author interview as well as with your guide to new releases coming out the week of June 25th, 2019. Hello everybody, today is a great day. You are going to hear an interview that I did with author Gillian McAllister, which I had so much fun doing, partially because she has an orange cat. And as some of you know, I really, really, really like cats, and orange cats are special favorites of mine. So we do talk about books, but we also talk about orange cats. Um, anyway, this was a really, really fun interview. And then, of course, I have many great new bookities to tell you about, so I hope you enjoy this episode. Before we get into it, though, you know the drill. I have the usual housekeeping information. And it goes like this. You can find us on Facebook by searching Book Bistro Podcast. Once you're there, definitely feel free to like and or follow the page. You can also join our Facebook listener group where you can chat with us as well as with other people who listen to the podcast. If Twitter is more your thing, you can find us over there at bistro underscore book. Or if you want to get in touch with us, but you don't really mess with social media, that is okay too. You can send us an email and that address is thebookbistropodcast at gmail.com. All right, so let's get on with the interview and then with the new book it is. Welcome to another edition of the Book Bistro Podcast. I'm Shannon and I am here today with author Jillian McAllister, who is releasing her first novel here in the U.S. It's called The Good Sister, and it is published this week. I read an early copy and loved it so, so much. So I'm very excited to have you on the podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. So can we start by giving listeners a brief introduction to The Good Sister? Yes, absolutely. So The Good Sister really is a character family drama about two sisters, Martha, who is struggling to balance new motherhood with her career as a CEO of her own charity, and Becky, who is her sister, who she entrusts to look after her child while she has to work. The unthinkable happens, and the book centres on Becky's trial and asks the question, was it a tragic accident or was it murder? So one of the things that I noticed when I was reading The Good Sister in preparation for this interview is that the scenes involving the courtroom, like the scenes that took place there, were incredibly vivid. And I know that you come from a legal background, so I'm wondering if those were scenes that you found especially easy to write. Um, They were just so, so compelling. Well, I suppose it was important for me to 
I wanted to write a courtroom drama because I felt like that was what this book wanted to be but I didn't want it all to be set in the courtroom and so one of the ways I addressed the problem of readers not wanting to maybe just sit and read a novel set all in one room with reams and reams of testimony was to have when each witness and get their sort of vignette of their own chapter of what they saw in their own voice. Um, so that was kind of a way for me to balance the courtroom scenes with getting the reader out of the courtroom and into somebody else's head. Yes, I did enjoy getting to kind of hear all the different perspectives from different people, people who could see Becky in different ways, um, see Becky and how she related to different people. I thought that it did a great job of kind of adding like some roundness to the story and letting us see not just from one or two perspectives. No, exactly. I think, I mean, you know, justice is a sort of, there's so many people involved in administering justice. And I, I kind of wanted to explore all those different perspectives within a trial and sort of ask the question, like, really, where is the truth in all of this? Mm -hmm. So another theme in this novel is sisterhood. And I personally enjoy books about sisters. I don't have any sisters. I have a younger brother, but I've always been really intrigued by the relationship between sisters. And I thought that there was so much kind of bound up in the relationship between Becky and Martha. Um, do you have sisters or did you kind of pull from other experiences to write this? I do have one sister, yes, and I think the it is a kind of known dynamic of the sort of calmer um, or, or more in control older sister and the younger sister who's more dynamic and slightly out of control at times, um, you know, quick to temper. And I wanted to write about that sort of universal like opposite dynamic that I, I see everywhere, not just in familial relationships, but romantic as well. Mm hmm. I think like, there's a lot of fiction right now about sisters, and I love so much of it. But I really enjoyed watching the kind of drama build in this book, where you can tell that at the core, Becky and Martha have a deep love for each other. But this is complicated, obviously, by the situations in which they find themselves, and of course, by the trial. So I love the way you were able to weave those two things together to make this really complex, in-depth picture of sisterhood. Yeah, thank you. I, I wanted to write, it would be so easy to write two perfect characters, but I sort of wanted to really get into the nitty gritty of it and think I wanted to make them flawed and I wanted to make their relationship, while they had so much love for each other, I did want there to be strains there because I, I like to write about real people. So can we talk a bit about your writing in general? You have published um, several novels in the UK. And so I'm wondering if any of those will be making their way here to us in the US or will you be writing just different novels and, and publishing them here and in the UK? So the um, the Good Sister is the American name for No Further Questions. So they're the yes. same novel, um, which is my third novel over here. So the US is just slightly behind. Um, so um, we'll see what happens after The Good Sister with regards to which book might come next. Okay. That's fair enough, I suppose. I'm always a little bit jealous, though, when people <laughs> write books that are published in other countries. I'm like, oh, wait. <laughs> I know I this. <laughs> it's not fair. Yes. 
So what was your process like becoming a published author? Have you always known that you wanted to write? Um, I know that it says in your author bio that you have spent some time working as a lawyer. So I'm wondering how you kind of transitioned from law to writing. Um, yeah, I did always want to write. I um, I suppose it's one of those careers that a lot of people want to do, but a bit like, you know, becoming a pop star or a sportsman, <laughs> you kind of, you think it might not happen for you. Um, so, I mean, law was sort of an equal interest of mine, like, um, and I think there's a lot of crossover between the two. But um, yeah, I started writing when I actually was off sick with mono. Um, and I had like a year off, it affected me really badly. And I wrote my first novel then. And it was from then that I went on to get signed by an agent. So do you still practice law? Or are you a full time writer now? No, I'm full time. I went full time in November just last year. So relatively recently, really. Well, congratulations on that. That is very cool that you're able to spend all of your time doing this and, and creating such phenomenal pieces of work as The oh, Good thank Sister. You. You're welcome. What is your writing process? Like, what does a typical day look like for you in terms of your writing? Um, it's quite chaotic <laughs> I would say I have the best laid plans um so I always plot out a novel in full um but then often so I do a, a quick first draft in like maybe eight to ten weeks um oh, wow. and then I read it over and then I replot it and then I rewrite it and that is my process as frustrating as it is um and in terms of day-to-day -day, I'm a night owl so I, it's very rare that I'm up before nine o'clock um, and I tend to get gain momentum as the day goes on and normally once the clock strikes three I'm like I really haven't done much and then normally I am super productive from like three o'clock till about eight o'clock um, which is very antisocial and you know I live with a partner and it's you know it's annoying but that that is just when I do my when the sun goes down I do my best work. <laughs> I think it's interesting how different people like my partner is a morning person for sure. And I just mm, my really, really <laughs> don't like morning. I'm like, really? Like, do we have to be up at eight or nine o'clock in the morning? Really? <laughs> so, no, we, we are on such different schedules. We have different bathrooms because we never brush our teeth at the same time of day. <laughs> <laughs> so when you are replotting a novel, are you often surprised by things that kind of evolve in your writing that maybe you didn't plan on when you were first um, outlining your work? I am sometimes, yeah. No, I am meticulously. It's a quick draft that I realize what the novel really wants to be about. Um, and The Good Sister actually is the truest to that first draft. I knew from the outset what I wanted it to be, but other novels, I, I have changed them completely, like not a word survives from first draft to second draft. Um, I think I think it's Stephen King, is it, who said the first draft is you telling yourself the story. And I think that's so true. And then as you replot, you're able to, I imagine, get kind of more in touch with your characters and the stories that they are telling you rather than sort of the ideas that you first had when you were perhaps um, planning out the novel. Exactly. And I think, you know, by then what you're, what you're going to ask of your characters in that draft. Mm -hmm. So in one of my novels, I had a character who walked away from the scene of a crime. And 
it was only really in the second draft that I was suddenly sort of drilling down into, well, what kind of person is this who would walk away from the scene of a crime? They have to be somebody who sort of procrastinates, avoids things. And really then the character came from the plot. Right. So would you say that your characters develop first or your plots? Or do they it's kind definitely of... my plot. Ah, okay. <laughs> so I, I'm all plot first. And then when I have the skeleton down, because I think I have the most formed characters plot needs them to do something that they would never do the book won't work so then it's when I know what I'm going to ask of the characters that I can really begin to I sort of do on the wall of who my characters really are and then I'm you know on the lookout at family parties for traits and mannerisms and <laughs> all of that to steal <laughs> do you enjoy writing multiple perspectives or do you kind of enjoy the single perspective I know that different people write differently and so I'm just curious what appeals to you as a writer, like how deeply do you like to get into one character's head versus many? I think they both, um, they have different merits, don't they? I think one mm -hmm. person perspective, which my first two novels were, can be so immersive and you really feel like you are the heroine and you're in the heroine's head. And then for my third novel, The Good Sister, I wanted to break out of that and I wanted to experiment with voice and character and people viewing the same set of events in a different way. Um, I just, I like all of it, to be honest. I love writing. I It's incredible to me that I get to do it for my job. Do you have a favorite thing about writing um, like thrillery type books? Um, I think my favorite part is when the plot's down and the characters are sorted and I just polish the prose and it never lasts that like six weeks that I do that for but and then I have to part with it and you know get edited and it gets jacketed and released but that's my favorite bit when I think the anxiety of the process is kind of over because the the book is basically fully formed and then you get to just polish that's my favorite part I can see how that would be really kind of low stress um very enjoyable just to kind of sit with what you've done make a few kind of touch up changes but not necessarily be super anxious about like, oh, you know, what what's supposed to happen now? What is this or that character supposed to do? So yeah, that yeah. makes a lot of sense to me. No, exactly. And I think there's so much anxiety of writing a novel. You have to make a lot of big decisions and you reach crossroads and you're like, if I go left, the book will be this. And if I go right, it will be this. And I think I just love the bit where all that's done and I can just do my 3,000 words editing a day and it's all beated out and quite controlled. <laughs> so you talk about like editing approximately 3,000 words a day. Do you try to write a certain number of words a day as well? I do. I do 2,000 words five days a week and if I don't hit them on the weekdays, I have to work the weekend. That's my rule with ah. myself. <laughs> which I think if you stick to that it does stop procrastination because I really hold myself to it because otherwise I, I just would not finish um, so I have to be quite strict with myself yeah I don't know how I would do if I had to structure myself in quite that way I was a terrible procrastinator when I was in college and I would like sit down and write my term papers like a couple of days before they were due no I was the so... same I was the same and it's a weird job because it's not often you're given like a year-long project and then at the end of the year you have to hand it over and it has to be good um like not many people work to a deadline that is a year in advance so for me I just have to break it up and be like by March I'll 
finish the first draft and then like by July I'll finish the second and then I'll do a character draft in August and then I'll polish it in September like that's how I have to work otherwise like give me enough rope I'll hang myself up I watch nine box sets a week and <laughs> do nothing so I have to be strict because I'm a terrible procrastinator. Can you give us any hints into what you're working on next? I can I'm almost finished it's a novel <gasps> about a um, 15 year old girl who witnesses a crime and she wishes she hadn't but she sees something so awful that she's forced to testify and her is a group of people to such an extent that she and her family are taken into witness protection <gasps> oh <laughs> <laughs> okay this this is something that I, I must have when it uh, becomes available I'm guessing <laughs> oh. <laughs> are we looking for it like in 2020 approximately I'm not sure because the America is slightly behind on the on the publication schedule so I'm not sure which book will follow oh. the good sister so okay. watch, watch this space it's my it's my UK 2020 release but you may have to wait a little longer I'm sorry <gasps> oh but that is, writing I, about witness protection is fascinating. Like, I'm so pleased that I found that topic because um, yes. I've enjoyed it so much. I used to love to read, like when I was reading a lot of YA novels um, growing up, I used to love books that kind of involved that, like changing your identity. And mm -hmm. I don't know, I was always very fascinated by that. Well, I will definitely be keeping an eye out. Um, I am not, unfortunately, a, a patient reader. <laughs> um, I certainly understand, you know, all that goes into writing a novel and that people don't just, you know, sit there and have these things spring fully formed from their heads. <laughs> but I... It's, it's an amazing idea about on a novel and then readers will read it in a weekend and then they're yes. like, when's the next one? I'm like, oh my God, like it's in like 10 months. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I read The Good Sister. Um, I got an advanced copy to prepare for this interview, and I read it on Saturday, and I was done by, like, Sunday afternoon. Wow. Well, that is, I mean, I guess, but it is really an honor to be a binge read. Like, that is the ultimate pleasure, isn't it? Just be immersed in a novel for 24 hours. Oh, yes, it, it, was, it was quite lovely. So are you much of a reader yourself, and does that influence your writing at all? No, I'm a huge reader. Um, I read maybe a book a week. And um, yeah, I get my best ideas when looking at something done well, or just looking at like a tiny element of um, like, um, and, and I think, oh, I wonder what the daughter's perspective on this is, or I wonder what the wife thinks about this. And mm -hmm. yeah, I think reading, reading often and reading well is like a crucial part of um, being an author. Have you read and loved anything that you're like super eager for other people to embrace? Yeah, like I'm a French fan, for example. Oh, yes. um, I just think she does like character driven fiction so, so well. And I recently read The Witch Elm and it's just, it's got the most amazing ending. It just, the ending. Um, so um, I also recently read a book called The Secretary by Renee Knight, who her debut was a book called Disclaimer. Um, and it's fascinating. It's just about how your secretary is privy to your secrets and how strange that relationship can be. Um, so, yeah, and I also I love Fiona Barton. Um, her, you know, she wrote The Widow. Um, oh, yes. Her, 
her recent novel, The Suspect, is um, equally good, if not better. Um, it's about awesome. two um, children who go missing in Thailand, and it's about the effect of, on their family. They were sort of backpackers that go missing. So yeah, I am. Um, yes, I'm always, always reading. <laughs> I think my favorite Tana French book would have to be The Likeness. I love yeah. that whole kind of like undercover vibe that she had going on. Yeah, and I loved, was it Cassie? The, yes, the Cassie. I loved her mm-hmm. from In the Woods, and I was so glad when she got her own kind of book. <laughs> yes, I am always very happy about that when I can fall in love with a character and then see them kind of carried over into another book. And Tana French does that really well. Have you ever thought of writing kind of a like a companion novel to one of yours, or do you enjoy the standalone novel experience? I really enjoy the standalone and I think um, my books tend to be sort of like they have definite endings Mm -hmm. Um, like The Good Sister definitely ends and concludes and it would feel wrong to sort of reopen it yes Um, and I I quite like the challenge of the new setting and the new characters each year Um, like I I start kind of like each autumn and I I really like that um so yeah no to a series for now but you know never say never I might have an idea (laughs) do you have a favorite place that you write like do you do most of your writing at home or do you leave home to write I often write in Starbucks um, because I like the coffee and I like the music, um, but I've actually just moved house and I have the most amazing, I've just moved to the country and I have the most amazing view. So um, I'm going to be doing a lot of writing at my new kitchen table, I think. Ah. So I have to ask you, this is very, very off topic, but I saw in your bio that you have an orange cat. And I, <laughs> I do. Love- orange cats like there's nothing better to me than cats so what is the name of your orange kitty cat he is a rescue cat and he came with the name Benny and he answered to it so we kept him but I love my cat so much so this question is very welcome (laughs) (laughs) I used to have um, a big male orange cat and when I got him his name was Bruce Oh, that's and I, a good name. <laughs> it was, it, I felt really silly. Like, what's your cat's name? Bruce, of course. Yeah, it's kind of like you take yourself really seriously. Like, you've given yes. him, like, a child's name. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So, we called him Mr. Kitty, which yeah. is highly, like, undignified, but it, it suited him. And he died of cancer last year, so that made us very, very sad. But orange cats, I, I think, are, are some of the most special creatures they're so they're so laid back and snuggly and and also kind of crazy and greedy and in like affectionate like yes he's not like a cat he has such a big personality um yeah I could I could do a podcast just on my cat so (laughs) I was telling someone before I was um before I was calling you I said I have to I'm gonna interview this author and I have to remind myself that I'm actually supposed to talk about books and not her cat she has an orange cat (laughs) <laughs> it makes me really happy to know that you have an orange cat. So I know, yeah, I think was... orange cat owners are, yeah, we're like kindred spirits. You know what yes. you're dealing with. <laughs> yes, there's something just very, I'm more of a cat person than a dog person. My partner is a definite dog person. So we have one dog and one cat. But oh, I, that's lovely. Yes, but I'm definitely the the cat. I always say that I want to transform into an orange cat in my next life uh, yeah my my cat has a really great life really so we're having building work done on our house and I'm out of the house today because I wanted to oh. and um 
the builder texted me saying your cat is just shouting and shouting at the bottom of the stairs and he's got no food should I feed him I was like he's got you like he's got you right where he wants you (laughs) (laughs) feed the cat I know like oh he's got no food because he finishes his bowl 10 seconds after you put the food down like he would never have any food (laughs) yes he he is a a Labrador in a cat's body exactly exactly. (laughs) very focused animal (laughs) So can you let listeners know the best way to interact with you online? Yes, absolutely. So I'm on Twitter and Instagram as at Gillian M. Author. And I'm on Facebook as Gillian McAllister Author. Um, And I have a website, GillianMcAllister.com, where there's a contact me form if you want to write to me. And I, I reply to everyone. That is amazing. Do you have a social media that you prefer? Like I am much more of a like Twitter person over Facebook, but I know that some people really enjoy like Facebook and Instagram and not so much Twitter. I always loved Twitter before because it was really wordy and I think that kind of suits me as a writer. But um, I'm now I'm moving over to Instagram, really. Um, I think because I've kind of learned how to use it like I used to take terrible photos and now I've kind of trained myself to be a bit better and the following's growing and I love using Instagram stories so it's probably Instagram these days my screen Ah. time days I use Instagram the most (laughs) well that's a good way to to chart that I suppose yes indeed so do you pay a lot of attention to like the audiobook releases of your work Yes, I do. I am. Um, I was so enthralled by having a debut novel that I listened to it while painting my living room, uh. <laughs> which my boyfriend thought was insufferable. Um, but yeah, I think audio is having a kind of moment like um, it is. I was just saying today, like, you know, 10 years ago when you cleaned the house, you would just listen to music or silence. And now we have like a an infinite number of like podcasts and audiobooks and it's like transforming I think so yeah I love an audiobook yeah we are big fans of audiobooks here at Book Bistro um there are probably about seven or eight of us that do different um tasks on this podcast and we're always talking about audiobooks and narrators and I love when an author has kind of a connection to their audiobooks and aren't just like, oh, okay, you know, I wrote this. Now I'm going to turn it over to an audio publisher and I'm not going to care about it now. Um, so I love that you know, people are paying attention to kind of who they're casting as narrators and how their audiobook is reaching people. No, I mean, I suppose being an author is like a combination of knowing when to let go and let the experts deal with it and when to kind of have creative input. Um, And I definitely I get like a choice of narrators and I always take it really seriously because a narrator can kind of make or break a novel. Yes. So will we be seeing an audio version of The Good Sister? I read just the... um like the digital arc, um, but not, I, I didn't see an audio. No, there is audio, there is audio. Oh, good. So wherever you buy sort of online books, there's, there's an audio version. I will definitely have to look that up then, because mm-hmm. I think this Thank would you. make for a really good audio book, especially if it's cast, like with different narrators for like different witnesses and such. That would be amazing. Yes, yeah, the audio book is really good. I will definitely check it out. Thank you. Well, well, I want to thank you so much for chatting with me today about your writing, um, your cat, your audience. <laughs> I appreciate it so much. And oh, that's no problem. 
And I do want to congratulate you for debuting over here with The Good Sister. Um, I think it is an amazing piece of work and a great introduction to you as an author. So I definitely hope that we will see more from you um, in the coming years. Thank you. Thank you're you very welcome. much. On the best of luck with your new novel. I think Witness Protection is fantastic. So I will definitely have an eye out for that whenever it um, makes its way over here. <laughs> Thank you very much. You're welcome and have a lovely day. And you. Bye bye. Bye. All right, so it is now time for great new books, and there are a bunch of them. Um, I had to kind of weed through the new releases even more than I usually do to find the ones that were especially great, or at least especially great in my opinion. So as always, this is not at all a comprehensive list. Um, some of these are things that I am personally excited about, some are books that I know that my co-hostesses are super eager to read, and some are just books that I think would generally appeal to the audience of Book Bistro. Definitely, if I've missed something that you think is noteworthy, please let me know. It helps me curate these lists a little bit better if I have kind of an idea in what people read um, and what they're hoping to see. So, the first several books that I'm going to talk about are books that have already been mentioned on the podcast. Um, the first one, which is After the End by Claire McIntosh. This is a book that I am actually almost done reading right now, and I love it so much. This is After the End. It is the latest novel from Claire McIntosh. It is not a thriller. It is not. It is a complete and utter departure from her psychological thrillers. Um, and just has so much to recommend it. Jen was looking forward to this way back at the beginning of the year and talked about it as one of her um, most anticipated books of 2019. And I would say it definitely warrants that. So this, once again, is After the End, and it is by Claire McIntosh. Next up is The Daughters of Temperance Hobbs by Katherine Howe. And Amber talked about this back in our most anticipated Books of June. So this is historical fiction that revolves around witches. So I am super excited for this. I'm hoping to pick up a copy pretty soon because what is better than witches? Maybe there are things, I just can't think of them right now. So this is The Daughters of Temperance Hobbs and it is by Katherine Howe. The next two books are books that Amber, um, no, Stacy. Sorry, I'm getting my co-hostesses mixed up here. Um, Stacy was particularly excited about and we're on the episode of Most Anticipated Books of June. So the first one is The Orphan Song by Lauren Kate. And just a bit of uh, a teaser for you, Stacy and I sat down with her this afternoon and did an interview. So definitely be looking forward to that in the next um, few weeks. So this is historical fiction with romantic elements. It's set in Venice in the 18th century. It is fantastic. It's The Orphan Song by Lauren Kate. And then Stacy was also really looking forward to the latest novel by Emily Richards. This is called A Family of Strangers. I would say it's women's fiction. There's usually um, some romance in her books, but I wouldn't say that it's the main focus. Um, I'm pretty intrigued by this. I've loved 
several of her other novels. So I'm hoping this one is great as well. And it is A Family of Strangers by Emily Richards. And Natalia was very excited about Dear Wife by Kimberly Bell. I read an advanced copy of this, and honestly, it is one of the best psychological thrillers I've read this year. It's one of those books that people compare to Gone Girl all the time, and it makes me kind of roll my eyes when people do that. But this one definitely deserves that hype. I loved it so, so much. I don't want to tell you why. I just want you to read it. So it's Dear Wife, and the author is Kimberly Bell. And lastly, as far as books that we've mentioned before, Natalie talked about The Bookshop on the Shore by Jenny Colgan. And this is contemporary romance. Um, I know that Stacy and Natalie and Sarah all really enjoy her writing. I have not read her, mostly just because contemporary romance is not my thing. Um, some people say that her writing falls more at the women's fiction end of the spectrum. I don't know. At some point, I do want to try at least one of her books. But this one is The Bookshop on the Shore, and it is by Jenny Colgan. Okay, now for new books. New, new, never before mentioned books. Well, probably not never before mentioned, but never mentioned here. <laughs> so Danica Dark is releasing the seventh, count them, seventh, book in her crossbreed series. It's called Moonstruck, and I am a little bit behind on this series, but that's okay, because that means that when I catch up, I can have like three books just to read in a row, and sometimes I'm really in the mood for that. I'm not always a binge reader that way, but sometimes with certain series, you just have to, and Danica Dark is fantastic. Her crossbreed series is, I think, one of the best things that she's written. I love them. This is Urban Fantasy, um, vampires, a, a really phenomenally unique world with descriptions of magical creatures that are unlike anything I've read in other urban fantasy before. So again, it's Moonstruck Crossbreeds number seven by Danica Dark. And the narrator, just because I love her, is Nicole Poole. And I think she does a stellar job with all of this author's work. Okay, let's talk about historical romance. Um, there are a couple of pretty big-named authors coming out with new books this week. First up is Say No to the Duke, The Wilds of Lindau Castle, book four. And this is by Eloisa James. I confess I am super late to the Eloisa James party. I tried to read a book by her, and it was a very, very badly narrated audiobook with a kind of whispery narrator that drove me crazy. So I kind of count that like not at all because it was just not a good experience. So I need to pick up some more of her stuff and this series looks intriguing. Um, so the series is The Wilds of Lindau Castle. This one is Say No to the Duke and it's the fourth book in the series and the author is Eloisa James. Also, um, in terms of historical romance and big name authors that I haven't read yet. Let's talk about Project, Duss Project Duchess, Duke Dynasty, book one 
by Sabrina Jeffries. Now, this is really hard for me to say for some reason, but Sabrina Jeffries is an author who's been on my radar for a while. I heard her speak um, at a webinar a couple of years ago, and I just really enjoyed her, but I have not gotten around to reading her books, and I keep saying that I need to, and I just keep getting distracted, but she's starting a new series. As I said, it's the Duke Dynasty, so perhaps this is a good place for me to start. And this is Project Duchess by Sabrina Jeffries. Okay. So next up for me is a book called Sound of Falling Leaves. And it's by Lisa Carter. It's the story of an opera singer who loses her voice as a result of a tragic fire and ends up retreating to the mountains of North Carolina where she's going to collect folk ballads. And while she's doing this, she encounters some things that she did not expect, love and possibly even a bit of danger. I am super intrigued by this. So this again is A Sound of Falling Leaves and the author is Lisa Carter. This next book, when I first read the synopsis, I thought it was historical fiction. And then the more I looked at it, the more I realized it wasn't. So this is Gone Too Long by Lori Roy. And I haven't read this, but this is a book that involves the KKK and a woman's kind of need to come to terms with the fact that her father was once very active in this organization and she is not a fan of this and she's trying to figure out how to make peace with that. Um, it looks very, very dark, rather intense. Um, also has something about an abducted girl and a little boy being kept underground in a basement. So perhaps a bit of suspense, some definite like personal drama. Um, and it, it looks it looks interesting. So this again is gone too long and it is by Lori Roy. This next book intrigues me. It's called The Van Atful Girls Are Gone, and it is by Felicity McLean. There are three sisters who disappear in the summer of 1992, and their disappearance has some really far-reaching consequences for the residents of this small town. Um, I don't know if we learn like if we see things from their perspectives of the girls who are disappearing or if the story is told by various residents of the town i'm not sure but i would like to find out this is once again called the van adful girls are gone and the author is felicity mclean this next book is actually my next read i'm almost positive um, this is No Ocean Too Wide, and it is by Carrie Taransky. She often writes um, Christian fiction, which I'm not always a fan of, but the synopsis of this really caught my attention. So this is the story of a family, and apparently during the late 1800s and the early 1900s, Hundreds of British children were sent to Canada to become house servants, and these children were believed to be orphans, but apparently may not have been. Um, so this novel tells the story of a family who was affected by this terrible situation. This, the synopsis makes me think a little bit of Before We Were Yours by Lisa Wingate, but I'm not positive it, if it's like that. It just kind of reminded me of it as I read it. 
So this is No Ocean Too Wide by Carrie Taransky. And by the time you are listening to this, I just might be reading this. It's also important to note that the audio does not come out until July 16th, but it is available in print this week. Okay. If you love dystopian fiction, you are going to want to pay attention to this. This next book is The Virtue of Sin, and it is by Shannon Sheeran. And all I'm going to tell you is that it's a young adult novel that's perfect for fans of The Handmaid's Tale. So that's me. I love young adult. I love like feminist-based dystopia. So I definitely want to read this. Plus, the author has the same first name as me. So this is The Virtue of Sin, and it is by Shannon Sheeran. Many of us on the podcast really enjoy Kelly Armstrong, whether she's writing paranormal romance, urban fantasy, thrillers, we don't care. So this is a thriller. It's called Wherever She Goes, and it is out this week. And it's the story of the lengths to which one woman will go to save a child who is in danger. Um, I did not read the full synopsis of this because it's Kelly Armstrong and I'm always very happy to just dive into whatever she writes. So I cannot tell you more, but you should pick this up and find out. This is Wherever She Goes, and the author, once again, is Kelly Armstrong. More historical romance, because this is how I roll. So this is, I love this title, The Lady's Guide to Celestial Mechanics. And the author is Olivia Waits. This is a historical romance set in London featuring lesbians. And apparently one woman is hired by the other to translate um, an old arcane text. And love blossoms as this text is being translated. I am definitely here for this. The Lady's Guide to Celestial Mechanics by Olivia Waite. This next book is one that I read over this past weekend. It's called The Last Collection, and it's by Jean Mackin. This is a World War II set story um, about a rivalry between two fashion designers um, in the years leading up to World War II. Um, Coco Chanel is one of the designers so that's just a bit of a teaser for you if you enjoy Chanel if you always kind of wondered more about you want to learn more about her history you should definitely check this out this is a really really lovely book filled with a ton of great historical detail and it once again is the last collection and it is by Jean Mackin okay romantic suspense because I love it and Natalia loves it and Brooke loves it and I'm guessing that many of you love it as well. This is Bad Things, and it is by Nancy Bush. This is the story of a group of friends who are linked by an obsession from when they were teenagers. Apparently bad things, just like the title, begin to happen to these people, and they begin to wonder if someone might know the secret that they're keeping. Yeah, this is definitely something I need to read. This is Bad Things by Nancy Bush. And last but not least, um, and it's a perfect pairing with the Nancy Bush book, this is Paranoid by Lisa Jackson. She and Nancy Bush have been known to write books together, but 
they are each coming out with one this week. And Paranoid is the story of a woman who realizes that nothing, not even her memory, can be trusted. Lisa Jackson is known for writing very long, intense, dark, romantic thrillers. So if you love those, if you've enjoyed some of her other books in the past, you should definitely pick this up. I know that I intend to. So that is all for me this week. I hope all of you are having a fantastic week filled, of course, with all manner of great books. Please let me know what you're reading and loving. And of course, if there's anything that I have left off of this list, do let me know that as well. If you would like to leave us a rating or a review, you can do that on Apple Podcasts or any other platform that you use to access the show. Not only does it tell us what you think, but it also helps other people find us when they're looking for book-related podcasts. Um, It kind of advances us in the Google algorithm. So I will be back next Tuesday morning with an author interview and, of course, the guide to new releases. And some number of us will be back on Friday with more bookish greatness. Take care, everybody.